0: I got a couple of responses I'd like to put on the stack. Before we uh, get started here, I'd like to mention I've got about a pound of Wisconsin cheese curds waiting out there for us, so we better hurry up. Oh, I'm excited about the cheese <laughs> curds, something like that. Anyway, Poe's Law. I think this is Poe's Law. Um, it's that like there's there's a point at which a sarcastic thing is indistinguishable from the real Oh, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, I think it's Poe's law. So they often bring this into discussions when they're talking about building spam filters or comment blacklists uh, or anything of the sort where they're like, you basically need a general purpose AI that has all the context of the entire human race loaded in its memory to be able to perfectly build a spam filter or not, not a spam filter because you can build a spam filter with Bayesian filtering pretty well. um, A censorship algorithm. That's easy. Is it easy? I'll do it right now. I'll figure it. We'll we'll code it up on the podcast. I'm gonna write it in this notebook. <laughs> I'm write the code and then I'm in the notebook. Scan
1: the notebook and then I'm gonna compile it. Scan the notebook. Print
0: out what you scanned. Take a picture of that with your cell phone. Email yeah. it to yourself. Yeah. By the way, I wrote it in. It's half QBasic, half pseudo code. It should compile. This should be fine. Then you're gonna code an o, What is it? An OCR algorithm to be able to yeah. take your written code and compile it without you having to type it. It'll save you so much time really in the code is. editor by making you now an episode spend more about time. how to waste a lot of time on <laughs> problems you probably won't solve. Well, we have to get off to a bad start because clearly we have violated the the Zen of the set. What's
1: well, not Zen about Sailor Moon?
0: I mean, Sailor Moon and and wacky Disney mugs are great, but where is? The beautiful symmetry Why of the glass Why is that a wacky mags?
1: Disney mug? But this is Sailor Moon. This isn't wacky anime mug. It is a wacky anime It's like mug. clearly the Mad
0: Hatter. Well, I couldn't think of the word
1: I'm just saying he deserves enough. a name too. All right, Mad Hatter. Mad Hatter and yeah. Sailor Moon, there my favorite come. fanfic. <laughs> that probably exists. All right,
0: dude. Um, before you get me into like a long esoteric discussion about Poe's law and algorithms, how do I learn a language? Don't. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Okay.
1: No, you can. You can can only do it when you're a baby. Uh, That something like that. That's how come I speak Spanish because all of my family is very knowledgeable in Spanish. I don't.
0: They're they're not telling. They're not at all.
1: They're not at all knowledgeable in Spanish. I was lying.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) at risk of this intro becoming more of a mess than it is. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast yet again. Um, We get asked a lot about language learning. And I think we did an episode maybe like three months ago or so about how to make the most of your foreign language class in school. Yeah. But not everyone takes a foreign language class. And I remember when I was in high school, I had French and Spanish as my choices. But what if I wanted to learn Japanese or Klingon? They didn't have those classes. Yeah. So Today we're gonna to talk are gonna cover the topic of how do you effectively learn and study language on your own time. And you are the expert here. And right. everyone thinks that I speak Japanese, but I don't speak Japanese.
1: He totally does. He's so fluent. He's I can lying. say
0: Watashi no Kuruma ka, And I can maybe remember a few I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is either. Oh no. How do you say dude in Japanese? I bet it's just dude.
1: I don't why would I- <laughs> Why would
0: I know that? Because word? then I can say, dude, with Tashinoku, the Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in 2013, I was uh, actually, no, 2012, uh, I was planning for a trip to Japan and I really wanted to learn Japanese so I could, you know, sort of figure out where I was going there. So I spent a bit of time studying it myself. But you, on the other hand, have built Essentially, what I would call fluency in Spanish and Spanish in Spanish—it's like porridge, but it's yeah. the Spanish eat it. <laughs> Spanish type of porridge. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm even fluent in English at this point. Uh, <laughs> you are effectively fluent in Spanish, at least in my mind, and pretty darn close in French. Yeah, I'm pretty decent in French.
1: I, it's I a would little say rusty. That, it's a little rusty, but it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Usually, when you and I talk about this off the podcast, you're a little more humble about what fluent means. Or, that's, that's because or the more Spanish. I learn of
1: language, the more like nuanced situations I know I don't know how to handle yet. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the person who doesn't know a lot about it is like, oh, yeah, that's easy. And then the person who knows a lot is like, no, it's not. I have no idea what I'm doing, even though I've studied for 10 years. What do they call that? Like the paradox of the wise or something like that? Uh, I don't know. That sounds smart. Fools speak. And, but and I know, wise there, I know, know there's to to like a, quiet. a thing about this. But I don't remember.
0: Well, the thing about language is that there is no upper limit of expertise, is there?
1: Well, I mean, you just said Spanish. Like, we are clearly Spanish. fluent English speakers, but yeah. I say things that are not grammatically correct all the time. Yeah. I don't know what grammatically correct is, but this is not a linguistics uh, episode. Spanish is actually just Spanish. Descriptivism from and Spain. prescriptivism. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but like, there's not really an upper limit because even when you when you speak a language completely natively. You don't know every word. Mm -hmm. There are situations I can't talk about in English, plenty of them. Yeah. And I will die not knowing all of English. Yeah, exactly. I can't possibly know it. I just learned the
0: other day that in the 60s, a French author wrote an entire novel without using the letter E.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I heard of that. I think
0: it's called La La Desperation or something like that. It's, It's La and then it starts with a D and I can't remember the exact word. Okay. But... What impressed me even more is that in the 90s, somebody translated it into English and still didn't use the letter E.
1: Oh, nice. So that's pretty pretty good translation work. Yeah. So clearly
0: you can go off into the weeds in many different directions and master that little corner of your language. And the people in our circles who consider ourselves fluent functionally are never going to get to that level. Yeah. Unless I decided to quit my entire life and go write an entire novel without the letter A.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be fluent in no ease, English, no easing. Yeah. English. There you go. Yeah, you got to, I caught that. You can't use the E Tom.
0: Yeah. Okay. So fluency aside here, I want to start with the basics. Say that I have a language I want to learn. In my case, it was Japanese. Okay. Where do I start? Cause that's the tough thing. There's, Because I mean, I might want to talk to people. I might want to watch anime without subtitles. I might want to read Harry Potter in Japanese. All the things I might want to do. So you should
1: definitely start start by reading a translation of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide in Japanese. And you just, if you don't know the characters, keep staring at them, and eventually it'll come together. If
0: I just keep staring at it, well, hey, that worked when I was a kid. Basically, that's not true. That's not. (laughs) That's not how that
1: works. But uh, so the place that I would start with language. And it's the place I accidentally started when I took Spanish seriously. I on purpose did it with French, and then later I needed to for other things. But I like to start with the sounds of a language. Okay. And people talk about the skills in language a lot. Memorization is like the backbone. You memorize all the the vocabulary and stuff. But speaking, reading, writing, listening. Mm -hmm. But you don't hear as much about how pronunciation is important because too many people... Or at least a lot of people are saying like, "Well, you don't need an accent, so don't worry about this at all." And while that's kind of true, you don't need to sound like like a native necessarily. But pronouncing the sounds correctly is not the same as having a perfect accent. And if you're pronouncing the sounds incorrectly, it can be completely like ununderstandable. So,
0: not necessarily the accent. You're just talking about like the difference between, say, the straight up Miyamo and Milamo.
1: Yeah. Something like, like that the the letters and sounds and like the Japanese lr kind of thing is yeah. different than what you'd do in English you've got um in Spanish you've got the double R you've got ferrocarril you've got that that's not a sound that we use in English so if I tried to start learning Spanish and I had not learned how to hear that sound and how to make that sound I would have a lot of problems okay so a good example I thought of of how to illustrate why this is the case is that. So if I were to watch an anime right now, because I've I've been studying Japanese, I will probably remember all the character names pretty well. Like it won't be like that the, difficult. The people? Yeah, the people, the characters, their names. I actually names. have a lot of trouble remembering because character names in anime. Their names are going to sound like something to me. Okay. But when we were at Clyde's not too long ago, we were uh, watching him play this Korean horror game and oh white day yeah and the thing is i could not remember any of their names even though like i could read them they weren't that hard looking but the second they went away gone and the thing is your brain wants to remember what it thinks is important and if you're interpreting something something as gibberish and and it's just like i don't know what that means you kind of just filter it through it doesn't matter
0: now is that game in japanese because i thought it was no it's korean it was oh it was korean were they speaking korean the whole time
1: I don't remember if there was. I even know audio. it was. Set, there were captions. I know it
0: was set in South Korea, but I couldn't remember if the game's um, dialogue was in. Well, Japanese I don't know. It, I could
1: read it, so it must have been English. I don't remember any audio right now.
0: Boy, I don't even remember. At this yeah, I don't even. I know was if so there, I don't scared. Know if there was
1: audio, honestly. I don't. Even I was remember. so
0: scared, Martin. I can't remember. But anything. the point
1: is, their names were in Korean, so I couldn't remember them. But if their names were in Japanese, I would have remembered. Oh, you mean them. They,
0: they were spelled in Korean? Okay, yeah. they were
1: Korean names. Yeah,
0: gotcha. I guess I guess they would be Korean names even if the game was in Japanese. Yeah, you know, that I think about it. Yeah, I, d- I don't remember seconds. there
1: being audio. The point is that it is going to be very hard to remember things that your brain doesn't even bother to interpret or can't. Mm-hmm. So, there in Korean also, for example, there are a couple consonants and I don't know them and can't pronounce them, so I probably can't speak Korean right now. But if I tried to speak Korean without ever learning the difference between these two consonants. And they're so close that an English speaker will likely not hear the difference mm-hmm. until they've learned to hear the difference. I will not be able to reproduce that difference because I can't hear it. Oh, okay.
0: So like, aren't there like in Chinese, different intonations? Yeah, there are different um, tones. Will mean different things even if the word is the exact same? Yeah, well, the word's not
1: the exact same. That's well, the thing. it's like spelled. But it's like ma, ma, ma. Yeah. Like those are all different. Okay. And the thing is, if you don't learn to get familiar with these sounds, the ability to differentiate them. So if you can't hear the difference between those tones, you can't reproduce it. And also when you're trying to learn the language, your brain's going to filter out a lot of it because it's like, I don't oh, that means get it out of here. Okay. I'm confused. If I throw a bunch of foreign names at you in languages you don't know, you probably won't be able to re-spell or say them.
0: Okay. So basically I want to start with figuring out how to, correctly pronounce or at least pick out the sounds of how the language yeah, works
1: yeah first you'll want to be able to hear the difference in it because if you can't hear the difference you won't be able to train yourself to say it yeah. you can't hear yourself making the mistake and this can be difficult because there's not really a lot of hugely great resources for it that's what i was going to ask So
0: every time i think of like beginner language learning resources i think of rosetta stone the boy watched the red ball bounce or something like it's all Basic grammar and vocab and learn the conjugation of Spanish. Like, well, that's what I always do Those learn.
1: things can work decently for basic – a lot of the basic languages we learn here, at least in the United States, because the sounds aren't that different. Like, Spanish mm-hmm. has, like, a couple different sounds. French might have a couple different sounds. But yeah. they're not drastic departures.
0: Mm-hmm. But, but, like, for Chinese or, or Japanese or something, it would be – yeah, report. the further
1: we get from linguistic relation to English, okay. the, the harder it gets to remember the sounds.
0: Or from your mother tongue, whatever it is. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's people listening to this who probably started in Chinese and then had to learn English. Okay, so all I'm thinking of when I started Japanese, I had to watch this really dumb uh, video. I think it was called Mr. Ondo in the Forest. And it's just a guy who's dressed as a penguin, but they speak very slowly in that video. And it's one of the first uh, videos that they show you in the TextFugu product, which is like an online Japanese textbook that I used. And I do remember that being a pretty good way to to figure out how things were pronounced because it was very, very slow. So maybe if you can just find something that's slow enough, then you can start to pick out details.
1: There are a lot of, uh, I don't remember what channel's doing it, but there are a lot of, if you Google like Japanese listening practice on mm-hmm. YouTube. There's this one channel that has a lot of listening exercises oh, okay. for various various languages. They are not specifically going into the sounds, but it's a good example of, are there sounds in here that are weirding you out that you're not hearing correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have looked at like Wikipedia entries for all of the phonemes of a language, but you need to know that seems a little IPA for that lead. to be that useful. You mean like beer? Yeah, just like that. Oh, okay. Actually, I've looked at IPA stuff before, and
0: it—I don't know. And the thing that I want to help people avoid is the thing that I struggle with, where you want to start a language, and I think this is this is applicable to basically any discipline. When you get into it at first, you have to have something that hooks your interest. And if I'm like, "All right, you want to learn Japanese? Go learn IPA, so you can look at all the phonemes for every syllable." Yeah, see that—that's like, that the that's most boring idea. thing. And it is in no way really connected directly to any of the things they really want to do. So I think there has to be a way to find something interesting where you can make some initial progress, feel like you've done something. And I guess I'm not sure how to do that across all languages. I know in Japanese, using text fugu did get me up to speed pretty quickly because we had to watch that video. And uh, also the teacher had some videos of his own where he's like, here's how to pronounce the D sound. Here's how to pronounce uh, the R sound.
1: Yeah. Well, I like Duolingo. I like TextFugu and Eto Eto as soon as that's done someday. Mm-hmm. I like Wani Kani. Basically, it doesn't matter that much what one you use as long as you know it's not the final solution to your language learning. It's not going to fix it all by itself. Okay. Duolingo is really useful. And that's what I've been using for Japanese merely because I wanted to test it out and because it's really easy to get feedback and yeah. and trace my progress. But it doesn't really matter if it's the best resource. Right. As long as I'm getting feedback and as long as I'm doing something, because as soon as I get through it, I'm just going to switch to something else and continue to do stuff. There's no one resource that's going to magically make you fluent. Okay. Except for humans. Yeah. So I suppose like first and foremost, if you want to figure out the
0: sounds, maybe you're studying a language that doesn't have good resources. I think Japanese does if you're studying Russian or, I don't know, Klingon or something crazy, um, would it be useful to just like write down or collect a list of all the major sounds and then just to go out and independently find sources where you
1: can verify what they sound like? I think it would be a decent idea to find words that have those sounds. Mm-hmm. Just just through, I don't even remember how I found them, but they were pretty basic words, just like zero and comprensif and, and like ferrocarril and things like this. All of these words in other languages with sounds that are kind of hard. And then going to Forvo, which is a a website I really like where you can type in basically any word, and it will have recordings from native speakers in any language that word appears in. So I could keep listening to native people pronouncing that specific word that's hard for me Mm -hmm. until the sound kind of sounds more familiar. And once it's familiar, my brain can now use it in words, so I will probably remember them better. Can you download the Forbo files? Uh, like the MP3s? Yes. I believe so.
0: Because yeah. if you could do that, then you could make an Anki deck of pronunciations. Yes, that's
1: absolutely what they want you to do. That's what um, okay. that's what Gabe Weiner suggests, actually, in Fluent Forever, okay. which is a book that is cool. It's a, also, it's my favorite language learning book because he ended up agreeing also that sounds were a good place to start. So that kind of clicked with me.
0: Gotcha. So I haven't read that book. I did read the Fluent in Three Months book from Benny Lewis. So the thing he recommends doing, I think, is to like speak from day one, just try to start
1: speaking immediately. Yeah. What are your thoughts on doing that? Well, first, I think that speak from day one is useful, but potentially scary. Mm -hmm. And for those that aren't willing to do that, speak from day five or day 10 would also be reasonable. Like I personally wouldn't go pay for an italki lesson, which is where I get tutors for various languages. I wouldn't go pay for a lesson on day one because I would want to at least be able to introduce myself. Okay. But like that's what would make me more comfortable with the lesson and gotcha. and also because it costs money. So yeah, like I love lessons with people and they're very helpful, but I don't ever want to use them as my primary source, at least on the internet, because I don't want to pay that much. That's true, yeah. it's It would be very expensive to do that. So I'm perfectly comfortable with my previous setup was – I've got my little 10, 20 minute, I'll do this 20 minutes a day. It's kind of a maintenance, slow growth Mm -hmm. situation. And then once a week or once every two weeks, I'd have either a half hour or an hour long conversation where I pushed it and tested the stuff I learned and could get feedback from a real person. So speak from day one is cool, but it's not necessary. So if that scares you and that's going to keep you from starting somewhere else, then you don't have to speak from day one but you should probably select a day on which you're going to speak or just schedule schedule a lesson with somebody that's like two weeks from now and say, well, it's too bad. I already scheduled it. I guess that's when that's I'm starting true. because the problem comes when you put it off until you're ready to speak with somebody and yeah, you're and not. that's
0: definitely a thing that I do. You're not ready. I kind of convinced myself that I needed to learn all these kanji and all this vocab and everything See, before I doesn't started even, speaking.
1: It doesn't even make sense because you don't really need kanji to speak in the slightest. It's true, yeah. You don't need them at all. Like... That has nothing to do with your ability to speak the language, only reading and writing. Mm -hmm. And so like all these things, we put all these limits on us and we're like, yeah, but I don't know all this stuff. I need to know all the 2000, I don't remember what they call it, kanji that are the important ones before I can speak. But really all you needed to do was be able to kind of say hi, vaguely follow introductory phrases. Yeah. And so I believe Benny talks about having a cheat sheet when you want to do this Mm -hmm. the first time. So it's totally okay. You're not cheating or anything if you have little piece of paper or a document. I usually have a document window up to the side of my lessons yeah. because either I've got questions in there I wanted to ask or if it's a new person maybe I've got the first couple things I wanted to say to introduce myself just so I don't forget. Right. Like, oh no, I forgot the word for that and now I feel really awkward and this lesson's off to a bad start. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help. Also because I'd use it to write down any words I learned or anything. So but, it's kind of like
0: having note cards in a speech.
1: Yeah, it's you're not cheating on for this conversation if you have sentences pre-written. Yeah. Because then you're at least getting used to saying them. Yeah, you're making certain that you're not going to waste your money, Mm -hmm. really, by not knowing what to say at all and leaving weird, awkward silences. Now, usually the teacher won't let that happen. They're generally pretty good, the ones that I've had at least. Yeah. But if you're scared to have a conversation, it can be good to have a little cheat sheet of good introductory phrases, and it can be good to have a little bit of introduction into the language first, if you'd like. Okay. Okay. I'm okay with speak from day one if you're the kind of person who wants to do it. But if not, study on Duolingo or TexFugu or something all week and then speak. And then you've got a few sentences to start with. Yeah. And definitely you can work on pronunciation with that teacher as well. So you can be like, here's a sound I found that's kind of hard. Am I doing this right? That would be a useful use okay. of of a teacher because you can't get feedback <clears throat> on that by yourself very easy. Yeah. I will say that... Doing conversations was
0: easily the number one thing that reinvigorated my motivation to keep learning. Like being able to read a couple sentences of Harry Potter Japanese was cool. And making progress in Wani and unlocking levels is cool. But my favorite memory of speaking Japanese is when I went to Epcot, uh, which is part of Disney World. And we went to the Japanese area, went to like the fast food restaurant they have there. And I just had like a tiny five minute conversation with the cashier because they hire people from the home country to come run the shops there. Yeah. And that was just like it was the coolest thing ever. And it wasn't an amazing conversation. It was like in half English, half Japanese. But just being able to say a few sentences in Japanese and have somebody who was a native speaker recognize what I was saying and like see their face light up to see somebody who was learning. That was super cool.
1: Yeah, and that's what language – it's for connecting Mm -hmm. with people, either through direct people or through literature if that's your thing. But you got to find what you want to do with the language because, like I said, speaking, writing, reading, listening, these are all different skills. And Mm -hmm. each one of those separate skills gets rusty if you don't practice them. Yeah. Like I feel I've got to work on my friend's pronunciation again because I haven't been working on it very hard. I don't care that much right now. But if I wanted to get back into it, I would need to rebuild skills. Yeah. And – you should pick the one that what situation is important for you, conversations or literature, because mm-hmm. those are different things you need to practice. And if you spend all your time on the opposite one because you thought you were supposed to, you're not going to like it.
0: Well, that was my next question. Because So you said start with pronunciation. But I've seen people on the Internet saying, like, you need to figure out what your goals are in the language and then focus on specific skills based on that. So if I want to watch anime in Japanese or I want to be able to read russian literature or something that's different than speaking so if i'm one of those people do you think it's still
1: important to learn the pronunciation first i think that what makes the pronunciation important is that you may not even be able to hear the sound in your head you mean in your head or when they're saying it you may not recognize what that is you may not hear the difference Mm. so it's a very important difference and if you cannot Read a li- that little voice in your head that reads most of what you're reading out loud. Yeah, will get tripped up, and that's going to trip you up when you're reading. Okay, because it's once again going to be like, yeah, I mostly know that word, but that word's kind of foreign sounding. And when it's kind of foreign sounding, it doesn't sound normal to your brain, and your brain will not care as much or interpret it as well. Gotcha. It needs to start sounding like your language. Oh, okay, cool. Not your native language, but like a language that you can say. I, this is part of my identity. Mm -hmm. This really makes sense to me. And it feels almost like Spanish feels like I'm not perfect at Spanish. There are so many things I'm not that great at in Spanish, even though I can speak it to a very decent level, but also I'm going to equivocate that down super far because that's how (laughs) I am with languages. Always the humble one. It feels like if I try to read some stuff in French and then I go over to a Spanish book, it feels like home. Like it suddenly all makes sense. Okay. All the words are there. It's much easier And it doesn't even feel that hard after French or Japanese. Okay. And you want to get to a point where not every single word is like a terrible challenge for you to sound out in your head. Mm -hmm. Because even if you don't technically need to, languages were spoken before they were written. It's very important for you to do that. Also, it's going to kind of kill your confidence if – you're like, yo, yeah, I I totally speak Japanese. I could could read, I just read this book. And then somebody asks you the simplest question and you just can't respond because you have zero listening ability. Oh, it's true, yeah. That's gonna make you, like you're gonna feel like you don't know it anyway. Mm -hmm. Even if you could read every bit of Japanese, you're gonna be like, well, this still kind of sucks. I can't really talk to anyone about it or show it off or feel that great because I only have the ability that I can do by myself in my room.
0: Yeah, it's true. Oh, and that reminds me of something. So when I interviewed Elizabeth Schotter, who was the speed reading researcher, I think it was like back in episode 93 or back two. Back in the 90s. It'll be in the show notes. Um, she talked about this research that was done on subvocalization and how all the speed reading people say you need to eliminate that voice in your head that reads quote unquote out loud while you're reading. And they found that that's not only ineffective to try to do, but also that reading is tied into the speech centers of the brain. Oh, yeah. So I would imagine that if you're learning a brand new language, learning how it sounds and how to make the sounds yourself would actually help your reading ability.
1: Well, imagine I'm reading a Spanish novel and there's dialogue between the characters. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to hear it in my head as, "Hola, me llamo um, Miguel Juárez. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to be in the story. The environment's ruined in my head. All the characters sound dumb because I can't sound it out at even slightly correct. They're all just using some horrible accent. Yeah. And that's not actually how it sounds. So every time you reinforce that, you're now reinforcing, that's how that sounds, brain. That's how Spanish sounds. Okay. So now it's going to be a little bit harder even to – you're making your own weird dialect somehow. And that is going to damage your ability to speak with anybody who – actually speaks the language, not in your weird head dialect.
0: Right, yeah. Okay, so we've got the pronunciation part down.
1: From there,
0: where are the next steps that you would take to start building a foundation
1: in language? I would start, as far as grammar and all of that stuff is concerned, literally anywhere. I don't care what it is. Okay. Duolingo, fine. Texfugu, fine. Uh, Rosetta Stone, if I didn't have to pay for it, sure, why not for a little bit? But it's not... None of these are the final answer, and that is the the biggest thing, is that you need to start now, and independently learning is difficult because you're not getting grades. You're not getting timed assignments. Yeah. One of the most important things is remaining motivated and disciplined yourself. Okay. And that can be hard because language is huge. It is this huge abstract, I will never 100% this skill mm-hmm. no matter how hard I try because some somebody on the other side of the world is going to invent some new stupid word – for hipster kids to use. And I'm not going to know that one. So I can't hundred percent them. Mm -hmm. And that makes it overwhelming. It makes it unmotivating because your progress while it starts really quickly, you're like, oh, I can suddenly say everything. When you get to the level that I'm at or even like any intermediate level or above, you're going to get to a point where you're like, uh, there's so much I don't know, but like I have, I'm progressing so slowly now because I already know like two, 3000 words and I can't and like I know there are so many more in a language but I've got most of the common ones and now I've got to get into weird esoteric things in order to move on yeah and each one of these topics is so deep that what do I do now oh no I'm lost so I guess
0: like in the beginning you're, you're learning the easy stuff but also if I know one word and I learn a new word I now know 200% yeah I know
1: twice as many or twice as many well if I learn all the colors today and I learn all the numbers tomorrow and I learn all of like there are so many easy places to start that are mm-hmm. part of your daily life, cooking and and food types. Some of the first stuff you learn is very common. It's very easy and you make quick progress. You get good feedback. You say, oh yeah, I totally know the word for jacket. Yeah. And later it becomes difficult. And at that point, it's kind of a plateau. Okay. It becomes very hard to, because you're still practicing maybe, but you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. So it gets demotivating. So
0: now when I was taking Tex Fugu. I distinctly remember that it didn't have me drilling basic vocab words. I don't think it even taught me the colors. Like I used an app called Mind Snacks and I used my Japanese coach and the DS to learn those. Oh yeah. Um the first thing, if I remember correctly, that it had me do was it told me to write out like 10 or 20 sentences about a topic that I cared about. Or or find maybe 10 or 20 words. So I was just like, all right. I have College Info Geek, so college is my topic. And then I went and found – or I just wrote down like teacher, student, classroom, all that stuff. And then over time, I went and found the words that
1: translated to those words instead of just going with red, blue, ball, boy, girl, that stuff. Yeah, so you're using words that actually matter to you. And just like your brain interprets things that seem important better, those Mm -hmm. are important to you intrinsically because of your interests, the same way that a word you can actually make sense of is more important to you than, like, gibberish. Mm -hmm. And that is an incredibly important thing to do because otherwise, not only are you not going to feel like you're getting anywhere, but as soon as you get into a real conversation, you find you can't say anything other than the boy plays with the red ball. And then... Yeah, and nobody wants to talk about that. Well, in, unless you're the boy's mom. I guess that's He does true. a really good job of playing with the red ball. Yeah. He's winning. But what I've been doing to keep myself motivated and making real progress, even at this late stage in Spanish and the beginning stages of Japanese, and I'm lazily maintaining French because whatever, but I have maintenance every day. Mm -hmm. a little bit for each one. It's like 20 minutes total. It's a very small amount of maintenance, but I just want to keep them in my head enough that Mm -hmm. they don't fall away because that's a real danger when it comes to language. And the quicker you learn it, the quicker it can fall away. Yeah. So like the consistency is important in slowly growing the language. But that's not like enough to make enough progress for me, especially at this point. Maybe 20 minutes a day can teach you a lot in the beginning when you're learning colors and numbers and here's this basic vocab. But at this point, what would help me the most is to be reading books in Spanish, which takes me a while Mm -hmm. because I reread passages. I'm really specific about understanding each word when I know I don't really need to be. Yeah. And – That takes time. So what I've been doing is I'll have my maintenance every day so that I'm not afraid I'm going to lose them. Mm -hmm. But then I'll have 30-day challenges with a short-term, more concrete goal. And I make it an input-based goal, so I can't fail it if I did what I was supposed to, but with a bonus output goal. So like I'm going to read Spanish 40 minutes every day this month, but hopefully I can finish two books. And uh, Uh, I finished the second book like three or four days after that challenge was over Mm -hmm but i still succeeded because i read spanish for 40 minutes every day and you're going to learn more when you can push your skills to the limit yeah uh, i've had conversations every once in a while i try to practice my french so i get to an hour long conversation on italki i think it's, actually i think it's italki i but i don't care language is evolving <laughs> and basically my brain feels like it's melting after that yeah. in fact that's how i felt after one of my Japanese lessons because I remember tweeting that my brain is melting in Japanese right after. I remember seeing that. But like I can't, like I couldn't think at all. I got to the point in the French one where I couldn't even say bye in French. Like the simplest thing because I was just (laughs) like, I can't, I got nothing. I can't think anymore. And my French grows more from that than it does from like reviewing five sentences and saying, yep, I did it today. 15 minutes a day. Um, It's that easy. Maybe there's a rule that we can kind of enshrine here then.
0: If you wanna learn a language on your own or, or at all, then you should be frequently experiencing these moments of brain melt. Yeah, I think you gotta
1: push yourself because you can make really slow and steady progress. But the yeah. thing is languages are so huge that you're basically gonna get to a point where you're only maintaining your old stuff and you're not yeah. growing. You wanna you wanna have challenges like I'm going to learn how to talk about this topic this month. So every day I'm going to learn two or three words mm-hmm. or I'm going to put them into some into Anki or something, some sort of vocabulary system, or I'm going to read, or I'm going to have conversations or I'm going to anything. Or you could write a blog on it. I'm going to watch episodes of Pokemon in Spanish every day yeah. because that will help my listening because there are no captions. I think
0: trying to create something could be pretty helpful because then you're attacking it from a totally different angle. Like... Trying to write something off the top of your head, and maybe you can't do it in Spanish right away, but maybe you know you want to say, "Okay, I want to write about um, about hockey," and you know no words in Spanish about hockey, but you can string together a sentence in your native language about you know how to buy skates or the proper I don't know passing technique or something. Yeah, from there you could go build that sentence in Spanish, and maybe it's going to be totally wrong, but It's a different sort of exercise than like looking at something someone's already made and having to translate it or going through a pre-built lesson. It's like the act of creation stretches your brain in a different way.
1: Yeah. It's the same reason that uh, Gabe Weiner, Influent Forever, suggests making your own Anki flashcards as opposed to downloading a deck with 5,000 words in it Mm -hmm. because you made the connections and the making of those connections also helps you learn it. I think making those connections gives you insights you would
0: never get. Like, when I was on the plane home on Monday, I saw this girl next to me playing Sudoku. And I don't even know if I pronounced that word right. Sudoku, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, And she had a book of them. And I I was like, I kind of wish I could do that right now. But I don't have any Sudoku apps. I don't have it on my computer or anything like that. So I just got out my piece of notebook paper. And I was like, how do you make a Sudoku puzzle? And I'm like, I have no idea how to do it. But obviously somebody at some point in history figured out how to make these valid and then, and then have figured out how to make them challenging for other people. So I was like, all right, I'm going to challenge myself to figure out how you make a valid Sudoku puzzle from scratch. And I sat there and I made one and I got like five boxes in and then I screwed up and I realized I totally messed it up. So then I was like, all right, let's do it as simple as possible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine across the top row. And then I fill in the first box, like totally, um, linear, just the easiest thing possible and fill out that box. And I was like, okay, that one's valid. I figured that out. All right. So there's a relationships between the numbers that make this work. And then I started doing that with more random numbers, screwed it up again, got one that's very close to being done. And I haven't figured it out completely yet because the plane landed. But by the end of that plane ride, I had some insights into how you construct these puzzles that I would never have gotten just by playing the game and trying to figure out a pre-built puzzle. So I was attacking it from a totally different angle. Yeah. And I bet like, it's the same in language learning. If you are trying to write or come up with an original thought and
1: construct it, it's different than just answering a question or a quiz, you know? Yeah. And that's why I like to have the conversations frequently because I'll come in with like a new topic I learned to talk about and Mm -hmm. I'll try to like bring up this little grammatical thing I want to try out, see if I can use this, and then see if they say anything. Yeah. And then – If you want to do it with writing, um, italki also has an area where you can put the writing and have people correct it. Oh, cool. Or you can give the writing to your tutor if you trust their feedback. Yeah. There's also lang-8, which is, I think, more specifically for the writing that I used to use. I've used that one. and Is that one, that one's for all languages or is it just for Japanese? It's just like whatever. Okay.
0: I just, it was recommended by the tax people. Yeah. It's just like native speakers, correct stuff. That, so that would be a good way if you wrote about hockey or something. You could take your resulting Spanish text, go over to Lang 8, find a partner, and then they could correct it for you. Yeah. And then you could see, all right, now I understand why I made those mistakes. Yeah. Which would probably reinforce them better than if you just were presented the rule without first
1: screwing something up. Yeah. And if you didn't know what to write about, you could – you could just try to translate – you could find an article about the the latest hockey game and just try to loosely translate what happened mm-hmm. into the language. Or there was a while where to learn new words and practice writing, I was writing sort of a story dictionary of sorts. So I'd get this word and then I'd write a sentence. My story just used all the characters from Winnie the Pooh because I, I didn't need to be original. But it also gave me characters to work off of so I could like – be excited when I could use the right Spanish or French or whatever words to evoke their personality yeah. as I know it. So I ended up, every sentence had a brand new vocabulary word I was trying to use or a new grammatical structure, but it all was confined within their actual characters yeah, and within a story that makes sense in their world. So okay. limitation breeds creativity. So I tried really hard to find the right vocabulary words and use the right things that would allow me to write that. And so then you I can't sh- just
0: say like "pooh ate chicken because, you know, Pollo, like you have to figure out the word for honey.
1: Yeah. And like, it feels better then because I'm like, I mean, this is actually like a story that makes sense. It's not random nonsense because if you do something like Duolingo, this, the sentences are just sentences. They don't, there's no story and the story makes it memorable. So yeah. I was remembering the new vocabulary easier. Mm-hmm. And so that was a cool way to do it. I gave that to my teacher. I could have put it on Lang 8 or Italki as well. And another thing – this is for speaking if you want to speak instead of write is I had a while where I was bringing up um, either I think iMovie or QuickTime, whatever lets me take a video on my MacBook. Mm -hmm. And I was just – I'd get a topic. I'd go to an improv speech topic generator. I'd generate it until I found something that I vaguely knew about at least in my language. And then I would just start recording and I would try to talk about that topic in Spanish oh, okay. for like two minutes, just two minutes. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I did something like that because too. Because you'll run out really fast, but it was like, what can I say about this? Can mm-hmm. I successfully give an improv speech in this language? It's probably not going to be great, but it is going to force me to look for words and I'm going to find gaps in my knowledge. And I'm going to yeah. say, actually, that word or grammatical structure would have been really helpful. So I'm going to write that down.
0: I think that could be a really cool thing to do because then if you save the videos – you can go back a few months and see how far you've come. Yeah. Which would be pretty motivating. Yeah. As long as you got the hard drive space. Well, I mean, you wouldn't even need to do it in a hard drive space. The way I did it was I did YouTube has a live, it's not live streaming. It's like you can upload a video by letting YouTube record from your webcam and then it'll just be on your okay, channel. Well, that makes and sense. So I had some private Japanese videos that I didn't publish them, but they were like my Japanese daily speech. That is probably videos. the better way to
1: do it. I just don't use YouTube. Yeah. I'm. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of them old guys. I don't know how technology <laughs> works. I don't know how these YouTubes and Vimeos and... I don't understand them. Beat bops and flip flops work. But you can also <laughs> use that to practice pronunciation specifically. Mm-hmm. So like you saying the words so you can watch yourself say it so you can see what your mouth is doing oh uh, yeah and you can hear it and then you can go over to forvo play that same word and try to listen are there differences how well are you capturing this sound especially since the way that you sound recorded or played back in any way
0: or the way that i perceive how you sound is different than how you perceive you sound yeah because it Just all it all that goes in my head vibration and bones shaking and everything that make it sound
1: different so you're really going to hear it but also seeing yourself speak it can kind of tip you off if there are any habits you're doing or you're putting your tongue in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I was teaching English for a little while and one of my students was using the Spanish D instead of the English D. But oh, okay. if she had filmed herself and known the difference between the two sounds physically, she would have been like, "Oh, my tongue's not supposed to it goes back here, not there." That's the oh, problem. Okay. There's the sound. Yeah. And you can, and obviously it's going to be hard to see where all sounds are coming from. But there, it's still useful to see because there are some times where you're gonna say, "That doesn't look physically right." Yeah, as long as you know how the sound is supposed to be, or that's probably where the weirdness is coming from. Let me try moving something. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna be a
0: really useful tip because being able to see what you're doing wrong and compare it to the correct version, like you just never tell those things. Well, when yeah, I got my figure right. skating coach, she was like, "Oh." you're putting your foot out way too far when you spin. That's why you're off balance. Or even last night at parkour practice, like they were like, oh, yeah, jump do and do a 360. And I'm like, oh, I could do that. And then I was off balance every time I land and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong until the coach watching me is like, well, you're throwing your hips out of alignment. Or when you try to turn to the left, you're actually twisting your shoulders the opposite direction you're looking so you're just completely throwing yourself off balance. But when you're doing it, it's such a fast motion. You don't have time to analyze what each part of your body's doing. Yeah. So all you know is that I jumped, I tried to spin
1: and I ended up totally off balance when I landed. No idea why that's happening. Yeah, that's the hard part about independent learning is that feedback mm-hmm. is how we learn. The you know, There are so many things where... I think it was for stress relief or something like they could hook you up to a machine. And when you'd notice something was bringing your heart rate up or something, when we get feedback, we can train ourselves to do a lot of things. Yeah, We're very good at it. If we get feedback of Mm -hmm. gaining control of things and with language learning, it's inherently a social thing and you don't get feedback without, without somebody there to give it to you. So if you don't have a classroom environment where the teacher is there every single day to try new sentences on. You need to find a way to get that feedback or you're going to be learning your own version of the language that no one okay. is ever going to correct and you're going to get so good at your version of the language that 5 years later when you finally thought you were ready to use it you're just going to find out that it's not really the language and you just learned nonsense for so 5 years you really, need feedback
0: even though we're talking about independent language learning here
1: it's kind of a misnomer it can't be completely yeah. independent there has to be if some if you ever want to, to talk to people
0: else. right
1: and maybe Either. if you never want to talk to people, you can learn whatever you want, <laughs> but I don't know if you're doing it right. So you might as well just lie to me and say you can do it. That's true. Yeah. But, and it doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be like Lang eight. Just it could be other people on the feedback. internet. It could people be, a, it could be a stuff. tutor. It could be anything like that's why I'm okay with most resources because Duolingo, while so the Japanese Duolingo doesn't, it's not explaining grammar mm-hmm. at all, really. I'm I'm having to absorb the patterns myself, which is kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. But I get feedback, and the feedback helps me say, wait, why was that word wrong? I thought that one was right. And then after enough times of getting the feedback, the patterns make sense. Yeah. Without feedback, I would just be making sentences, hoping they were right, and saying, that's probably good, mm-hmm. close my notebook, and then it turns out I'm not actually learning, but I think I am. Yeah, You have to have something to tell you when you need to be corrected in some form.
0: Okay. Uh, so I wanted to ask about tutors and like italki lessons and stuff like that. How soon do you think is a good idea to actually book one of those? And then what do you use interaction with a teacher for? Are you like actually being tutored or is it just conversation practice?
1: So I think if you're starting a new language that you should probably book something if you don't have any other form of feedback if for nothing else than to once feel the the rush of conversation mm-hmm. to once feel what it feels like so that you can judge based on that okay and i would book it anywhere from the first week to a couple weeks but i probably wouldn't stretch too much farther than that unless you're like horrified of the couple weeks to the point that you can't control yourself in which case booking one at all and then as long as you eventually get to it and you're like, well, now I got to do it and you do it, then fine. Yeah. You pushed it off a little bit, but you start at some point. There's a starting line. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really – I don't care that much when. But sooner is better obviously. Um, I use them differently depending on the language. With Spanish, I was using them – conversation became easy in Spanish. It was just kind of nothing. And the thing with uh, with a teacher is you both have a limited – Understanding of each other's lives, or and and or you get to know each other too well, your conversations might be the same thing, you might do the same kind of routine every time before mm-hmm. you get into it. So, I was using my teacher to study advanced grammar and improve my vocabulary so that I knew more literary words as opposed to the obvious one. Okay, and so, what does that mean in terms of the actual? Conversation with them that was more like actually teaching. Oh, so she's
0: like, let's talk about these words today. She was
1: like, "Uh, we're going to practice this new grammatical structure or this this type of vocabulary. We're going to expand emotions so Mm -hmm. that you're not just saying happy, sad. You're saying a bunch of fancy stuff.
0: Idea of what she wanted you to learn.
1: Yeah. Whereas in in French, usually I'm just like, I just want a conversation. I'm feeling a little rusty. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk, and I'll just talk about anything. And then in Japanese, it was. Some initial grammar at first with the teacher that I had because I didn't know enough for just a regular conversation. Yeah, I knew enough for the small parts, but not enough to last a half hour or an hour based on conversational stuff alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was I going to say? I don't even know. <laughs> Brain fart.
0: Oh no. Well, hold that thought. Maybe it'll come back. Probably. Um, I was going to ask. Other than booking a lesson like on Italki or any other language learning site. I don't know of any other ones. Uh, Where else do you go for conversation
1: practice? Uh, You can find something on meetup.com. There's a Spanish meetup I've been going to. There's a French one that I keep trying to go to, but divine intervention or something keeps me from going to it all the time for months. Yeah. Um, So meetups pretty cool. Libraries frequently have some sort of language group meeting at them. Mm -hmm. That's a good place to check out. Um. Are there any like online sites where you can just talk with a person that isn't paid? uh, There's, well, you can on italki actually. I didn't mention that. Oh, really? So you can get language partners where you kind of talk to each other in each other's language. Like you take turns. We're going to talk in English now so that they can practice. Then we're going to talk in Japanese so that you can practice. Gotcha. So you can do that. Um, Is that free? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So
0: basically italki only charges you for lessons with tutors?
1: Yeah, when you're paying for a professional teacher or a tutor. Gotcha. But you don't have to pay to use it. Um. Oh no, <laughs> the one I used to use I don't think exists anymore. That's why I can't remember its name. But the the one I first started on is gone. Oh,
0: it's on the tip of my tongue too. I think I know what you're talking about. And I just there's there's can't one I used to
1: use. I was really excited about it. It's dead now, so I can't. But hey,
0: if it's dead, it doesn't no matter. No reason for us yeah, to so even it talk doesn't about it. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, I think
1: we speak is another one. I don't know if that's still up. I don't use it. Okay, it's, it's speak spelled S P E K E. but. I like italki. I've, I like my teachers on it. And there's not really a reason for me to shop around because what I'm getting is people that can speak a language. And yeah. the websites themselves, it doesn't really matter. It's just a platform. I know that italki has... They require certain levels of fluency from their teachers. Mm-hmm. They ask for certifications and stuff if you're not a native speaker to prove that you're doing it. So it should be a good level of stuff. Okay. And you can get either just a regular tutor for conversation or you can get uh, a full-out professional. And sometimes it can get expensive. This is true, especially for more expensive countries. But depending on the language you're learning, you can actually benefit a lot from like the capital exchange between countries. So it was cheaper for me to book lessons in South America from Spanish speakers than in Spain.
0: Didn't you have a Japanese teacher who lived in like, Mexico or some other place um, not Japan
1: let's let's see what was that I've had a lot of things like that I learned Spanish from somebody who was in London at the time huh. I had a French teacher in China a French teacher in Japan and
0: maybe that's what it was
1: my la- my Japanese teacher that I was working with most recently doesn't speak English she speaks Spanish and Japanese that's right
0: yeah which is pretty cool
1: yeah that was because it kind of cool.
0: forces you to practice your Spanish too
1: Yeah. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to, I had to, you know, be able to do that. Mm -hmm. It was some level of practice. Yeah. But I've always found that to be my favorite, even if I don't do it for too long. And it's kind of scary to me at first because I tend to extrapolate everything into a super long term commitment somehow, like patterns become forever. Yeah. So I'm like, oh no, should I study this language? Then I'll have to, I have to maintain that language forever. (laughs) If I add another language, that's another one that I can never stop learning. That's me too. First of all, that's not true. You don't have to keep a language forever. I studied a little bit of German and Chinese and I know very little of either of them now. And I don't care. I'm a good example of that. Yeah. I know
0: very little Japanese now because I made the conscious decision that it's no longer important for me to maintain it like a few years ago. So I've forgotten probably 90% of what I knew. And if I decided today to start studying in earnest... I know it would come back because I know how space repetition works. But if I don't do that, it's not coming back. And that's okay with me because I have changed my goals.
1: Yeah. And I live a life now that does not require me to be fluent in Japanese. Yeah. So the whole lifelong commitment thing may keep you from acting on either the language choosing or -hmm. the teacher. So I'd like to point out that in order to not freak out about this all the time, like I used to. It would be totally okay to, you know, date your language. What if you're like, I'm not sure between these two which one I should learn. Learn each one for like a month. Do a 30-day challenge on each one. And then okay. and then after that, be like, you know what? I didn't really like that one as much. Yeah, I'm going to pick this one. It's okay to drop something. Yeah, It's not going to kill you. Same thing with teachers. Book a lesson. And if you don't like them, book a lesson with a couple other people. Okay, yeah. Kind of pick which one you're going to continue with.
0: It's the essentialist's commitment to initial exploration.
1: Yeah, you have to try things out. And if you're like, but if I get this teacher and I don't like them, I'm going to have to go on forever and ever and ever and ever <laughs> and ever. Or I'm going to have to maintain this language forever or else I'm not going to have any skills. It doesn't, you can just try it out. Yeah. Picking a language is important uh, because if you do want to keep it, it is a lifelong commitment if you don't ever want to drop it at any point. Mm-hmm. So you should make sure that you want to learn it for some reason. Even if the even if the motivation is extrinsic, even if it's like a job requirement, you want to make Intrinsic motivation somehow Mm -hmm. because your job can change. Now you're halfway through Chinese, your job just changed. You don't need it, gone. You just wasted a bunch of time. Okay. So you want to find a way to connect it to yourself so that you care, so that you can commit for longer. Yeah. By, I don't know, listening to music, reading books. I watched Pokemon almost exclusively in Spanish for X and Y and XYZ. So you watch the new stuff. Without ever having watched
0: it in English. No, first
1: I, n- I never watched it. Well, I watched the ending of XYZ in English because I got tired of waiting for the Spanish episodes to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and by but the, time the I, most part. But I watched like 80 episodes of that, of those things in Spanish. Mm. That's pretty awesome. And I, it was kind of funny because I watched them in Spain Spanish, Castilian mm-hmm. Spanish. And I just, I I liked the voices in that so much that I really didn't like the English voices or the Latin American Spanish voices. So I was kind of trapped okay. for a while. Like, I hate how this sounds differently. This is how the character sounds. And because of that, that show to me was inherently a Spanish show. If you
0: learn Castilian Spanish, is it easy to transfer over oh, to Latin the, American?
1: There there are a few grammatical differences, but it's not a big deal. It's like so an it's extra, not like a
0: different dialogue or anything? Just, it's just, I just
1: didn't like the voices. The fact oh, is okay. I got so used to it that... That became my only way I wanted to watch it, Yeah. which meant now I wasn't watching it because I had to, because to practice in Spanish, I was watching it because it really annoyed me to watch it in any other language or setting.
0: Well, that makes sense. I don't like watching Cowboy Bebop in Japanese because I love the dub so much, but then there are other anime where I prefer, even though I can't understand them,
1: I prefer the Japanese voices more than the English ones. Yeah. And it's like with music too. A lot of my favorite artists now and favorite albums are in Spanish or French. I've got some music I really like in Japanese too. Yeah. But I don't listen to them to practice. You should get to the point where something about the language, it's food, it's music, it's entertainment, it's culture, it's history, it's aesthetic. Something speaks to you. You want to find something you really like that you can hook into. Okay. Because then it won't be you're forcing every step of this language because there are a lot of steps. Mm -hmm. It's it's a long thing if you want to become... Fluent, whatever that means cool so you don't want to have to push every single time yeah at some point you want to do it because it's making you happy to make the progress mm-hmm. so
0: the last thing that i want to talk about uh, and I, I realized that i i know for you like you're worried that this episode isn't going to be the be all end all perfect resource for learning a language um and it isn't it, it's, oh, no, it's it, one piece of the puzzle so i want to talk about anki Okay. Because we we mentioned it earlier. It gets mentioned all the time in language learning communities. But I get YouTube comments from people who are like, what is that thing they, they mentioned? I don't know how to spell it. Is it O-N-K-E-Y? Uh, but it's before like donkey. I,
1: it's like donkey, yeah. It's, it's not,
0: though. It makes you waffles. Before I talk about Anki, I want to talk about something that is a truth in language learning, but also a truth in any kind of learning project whatsoever, um, which is that, like you said earlier, the individual resources don't matter so much yeah. because every resource you use is going to provide you one piece of the puzzle. And when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, you don't start from one corner and just work completely outward and then end at the opposite corner. Everyone just like you look through the pieces then you're like, wow, these two look like they might go together. Oh, wow, they do. Uh, I'll just put them here. And then you just start putting things all over the place. And eventually you start to see the whole picture. It's kind of like a crossword puzzle too. Uh, The most recent learning sprint thing that I did was learning about blockchain and and Bitcoin. And uh, I remember a few months ago, I stumbled across the homepage for Ethereum, which is another one of these cryptocurrencies. And I was reading it and I was like, this is so far away from anything I know. I literally can't understand a single word that they have put on this page. And it's (laughs) in English. It's like, Ethereum is a peer-to-peer blockchain application for creating smart contracts. And I'm like, I don't know what any of those are. So I'm like blank slate, literally have no understanding whatsoever. Very intimidating. Get a little bit of interest. A friend sends me this site called CoinDesk and they have this whole series of articles that explains what Bitcoin is, what blockchain is. So I spend a little bit of time reading that. And then I find a podcast where these two silly guys start talking about Bitcoin. And then I find another podcast with this journalist from Forbes interviewing a bunch of nerdy people. And then I have bought the book written by one of those nerdy people and just read through most of the book skipping over the code examples. And all of these little bits and pieces I'm grabbing are just pieces of the puzzle I'm starting to piece together. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. It finally clicks. I can go back to the Ethereum homepage and I know what a smart contract is. I know what a blockchain is. I know what all that stuff is. It makes sense. Yeah. But it wasn't because I found like the ultimate blockchain resource for how to learn what how this stuff works. I just grabbed things. Yeah. So it's like, if Anki works for you, awesome. If Wani Kani works for you, awesome. If uh, Italki works best for you, awesome.
1: You're probably going to test out a lot of them. Yeah. You need input from a lot of sources. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the only thing. It's the same reason that I read a lot of books on the same topics. Yeah, Because eventually I start to understand, oh, I see that point, And now I know some of the counter arguments, but that also helps me to understand more of the The pro arguments for this point because I've read multiple people's perspectives and you want a lot of input on something to start to form an expertise because otherwise you become basically a slave to whatever somebody that you went to decided the curriculum was. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they have a mistake on something. Like for all I know, Duolingo is slightly wrong on one of the sentences I've learned. I don't care because I'm going to be practicing from so many places that I will pick it up myself Mm -hmm. and I'll be like, oh yeah, (laughs) that one, that one's kind of weird. I think I'll say it this way instead. And I got to tell you, that principle makes me more comfortable as an educator
0: because like we've wanted to make courses for so long and I always get tripped up thinking like, well, I got to make the perfect thing that's so comprehensive and and correct on everything. It's like, you know what? People are going to take the course and they're going to get something out of it, hopefully. But then they're going to go to somebody else's blog or they're going to find a a book or they're going to talk to somebody in a bar who's like, I actually do it this way. And they'll say, wow. That's better for me. And that's okay. I often feel like the people, like you read about people in like the 1800s or the Renaissance who discovered so many things and did all these cool, like they discovered a billion scientific new principles and they invented things and they were painters and artists. Yeah, all they did was poke a frog in their backyard and now they knew (laughs) physics. And I often think like, how did these people have time to do all this stuff? The conclusions I come to, number one, they didn't have the internet and, and social media to distract them. So if they had the money and time to pursue intellectual stuff, then they had a lot more focus applied to it. But the other thing is I feel like they were a lot less worried about the internet pointing out their mistakes immediately so they could just focus on discovering things and then postulating a theory. And, you know, maybe a hundred years later, someone's
1: like, actually, that theory is wrong on that point. And then they fix it. Yeah, but making mistakes is how you learn. That's why. Yeah. I, that's actually kind of why I don't care that Duolingo doesn't have any explanations on grammar right now. Mm-hmm. Because after this, maybe I'll glance through text fugu again, or maybe I'll look at something else. But for now, I'm like, I'm going to keep messing this sentence up over and over until I figured out why that pronoun or that, that particle is used the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that, I don't know. We don't give enough time to exploration because we're so yeah. worried about the result mm-hmm. that we that we learned the language. But the thing is, learning is forever you just said you didn't know blockchain stuff in english i still don't we're both fluent english speakers we're not done learning that's true There is yeah, always that's a new word there is always something mm-hmm. so
0: that rant over Anki. uh this is an app spelled a-n-k-i yes and it's an app that's open source i think and it is free on every platform except for the iphone
1: um, where that's because on the iPhone it's the official one from the dude and he's using that yeah. to fund server costs yeah he uses the, the cost because everything the else is free app.
0: it's all free but it, on the iPhone it's like $25 but he also made the web version which you can use on the iPhone in Safari yeah. free so if you wanted to like support it you could buy the iPhone it's just app. like uh, pay for the server somehow mm-hmm. but this is a really good app for learning the vocab for learning pronunciation for learning really anything that you can turn into a flashcard essentially. Yeah. So Anki is a flashcard app that uses what's called spaced repetition. And what this means is that it will show you uh, cards that you know well far less often than cards that you don't know well. And this basically leverages the spacing effect, which is something in brain science that is demonstrated to show that basically your, your brain learns something better if it is quizzed on it and forced to recall it close to the time that it would forget it. Yeah. So if I really know the word for chicken in Spanish, it's going to quiz me on it maybe six months from now. But if I just learn the word for microphone today, then it's probably going to quiz me on it tomorrow because I haven't really solidly encoded it. Yeah. And this has the dual effect of making your study efficient because you're only studying the words that you need to recall now. And also helps you learn them more effectively because you are being forced to recall them at the most difficult time. And if you can make a flashcard out of it, then a computer can build an algorithm to run this spacing for you. If you can't make a flashcard out of it, like with conversation or like with something in sports, it's a little bit more just like, all right, I practiced kickflips for 20 minutes today. I'm gonna come back to it next week instead of like doing it every single day. Yeah, So it's a very useful app to use. Um, Like we mentioned earlier, you could take the MP3s from Forvo and create a pronunciation deck. You could create a vocab deck. I recommend creating a deck that is full of words that you like or that are interesting to you in some way. Uh, You had a post that you wrote a few years ago about a technique called OVA, Yeah, which was pretty cool. Basically, just like, was
1: it just taking things from your environment and then learning the words for those things? Yeah, it was basically walking around my daily life on campus and being like, sidewalk. Do I know the word for sidewalk? Squirrel, tree, bush, beard, backpack. Yeah. Door. Because the things I see in my daily life are the things I would need to talk about in my daily life. Because like fluent is more or less, can you speak as well as the average speaker of a language? Mm-hmm. Not the Nobel Prize for Literature winner from that language. Yeah. Just the average person. And, and the there average is no person set of is words not,
0: for average, because every average speaker has their own context where they live.
1: Yeah, so you're like, you're like wanting to learn what would your life need. Mm-hmm. And at some point, if you do that long enough, you should theoretically know most of the words that are part of your daily life, which means you'd be able to go the whole day... Yeah. Without using English. Yeah.
0: And that's a uh, organic vocabulary acquisition, right? Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, I just named it OVA because HOVA made... just, you know, made me remember it. There this, a little mnemonic. It does make it memorable. Um, so we can link to that
0: post in the show
1: notes. There, there is a danger with Anki though, and it is- Anki overload? Yeah. Don't put too many cards in there. Um, I was reading a book and I kept trying to find every- I would try to write down every word that I thought would be useful in the future, and then- I would put it in later. But then I'd have a list of like 50 words from this incredibly hard chapter. Yeah. And then I'd never want to put them in. So then next time I'd have 100 words because I hadn't put the old ones in. Mm -hmm. And, well, that just feels terrible. It's okay to not know some words.
0: Yeah, that's totally fine. There
1: are plenty of words. As long as you can learn to – an important skill in language is learning how to talk around what you need. To learn how to describe it. So if I didn't know the word for refrigerator – And I was talking to somebody and I really needed it. If I could say, um, that box that makes food cold, that would function. And then I would learn the word for refrigerator. Then when they told me, oh, that, and I would go, oh, nice. And then I might remember it because I have a memory of a person telling me what it really was. It's okay to learn the words as you go. You will never be ready for a conversation. You are always learning during it.
0: That gives me an idea playing heads up in the language you're trying to learn.
1: I don't remember that game. It's the game where I remember, you can get an app for it. I remember the it. Heads Up part, but I don't remember.
0: You can get, oh, not Heads Up 7-Up. It's Is there something else I don't know? You can get an app for it. Basically, like, it's an app where you pick a category and then you put it on your forehead and oh, it'll have the an word and then the other people playing have to get you to say the word without saying it or rhyming or spelling it. Basically, they have to describe it. That's not a bad And it's idea. a really fun game, but I imagine that if you did it with a language that you're practicing, and any language developers out there, you can make this app if you
1: want, You could describe, you could force yourself to describe words. That would be a pretty good skill because you'll never know every word, but the basic average words will likely, like I can say box that makes food cold. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are all very common words. Yeah. So if I didn't know refrigerator, I could get through that conversation. They would teach me the word and I could move on. Mm -hmm. If you ever think you'll know all the vocab, you're, unless you're going to be a doctor in the other (laughs) language, it's okay to not know the words yet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I forget words on this podcast all the time. Yeah. Spanish. Yep. It's a good word. <laughs> I make up words. Uh, and I do have one rebuttal to the thing about Anki overload. Okay. Because that is a common thing that people will bring up online to say why you shouldn't use Anki. And I think we were talking about this on another podcast at one point, And you said there's going to eventually come a point in your language learning journey where you might kind of abandon Anki or you'll, you'll reduce its importance in your practice schedule because yeah. you're reading books now or you're having full conversations now. So it's a stepping stone. And the fact that it has the potential to become overwhelming eventually doesn't mean that it isn't useful at first. Just like, Oh, no, it's very I can't useful. win the tour to France with training wheels on, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't. But if you use can't ride a bike,
1: you should probably yeah. try it out first. Yeah. Anki is fine. Just don't, don't try to hundred percent vocabulary. Right. And it's, if it is overwhelming someday, solve it then. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need to solve everything preemptively.
0: Solving everything preemptively is a good recipe for paralysis. Yes, it is. Like, we've learned this in our business. We can't just, like, why would I try to figure out how to
1: pay 100 employees now? No, that would be dumb. That's like, that'd be a waste of I time. I don't know
0: if we'll ever have 100 employees. And if we do, that's several yeah. years down the line.
1: It's, it's just another example of you can't be prepared all mm-hmm. the time. Don't try to be prepared for everything you can't be. Yeah, exactly. And as far as the Anki thing goes, um that part of the conversation you're referring to, I was saying that in the beginning you don't know enough to like live in that environment and mm-hmm. have full conversations in that environment. So you're kind of in an artificial language bubble where you where you do contrived sentences, you're in limited conversations that are meant to help you learn, yeah, and things like that. And then later you get to a point where you don't need to practice that stuff as much because if you're reading books and, and watching movies and having full conversations, you pick up words naturally. I didn't drill like thousands of flashcards in English. What happened was as soon as I could learn English to a certain degree, I just kept picking up words when they were important. Yeah. And when they weren't important and I heard them once, they fell away. But mm-hmm. if they're important, they'll come back and then I will remember them. So, yeah. so don't worry about – yeah, don't worry about Anki being like a lifelong commitment because – I'm barely using it for Spanish, just like a couple words here and there that I keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. For the most part, the world will give you your spaced repetition in the form of how often that word comes up in your life.
0: Yeah, it's very true. Many people learned languages before Anki was invented. Many many people, a lot of them. It turns out. So uh, that being said, Anki is very useful and the way that it leverages the spacing effect
1: can not help you yeah, to learn it faster. is a great part so. of the artificial environment that forces the word into your life mm-hmm. when it otherwise wouldn't have been because maybe i didn't need to use the spanish word for for red yeah next time for the next three weeks but anki will say that's that's important so we're going to pretend you needed it and show it to you again and now you're going to remember mm-hmm. so in the
0: show notes for this episode i can link to the resources we've talked about but because i've only learned japanese and you've only learned spanish and french and japanese to any like hardcore degree we obviously didn't mention a lot of the resources that somebody who might want to be learning you know russian or german or any other language could use and we couldn't because we don't know about them now oh, yeah. but is there anything that you know of that like lists or centralizes the resources that people could
1: find i think, I think there's like reddits yeah maybe. i think i once saw a pretty good list of resources on a specific subreddit i can try to find that oh and, is it the language learning subreddit it. Uh, I mean, that seems like the probable place I would look first. Yes, but one of them had like right. a guide with like oh, it's their a wiki, big, big list of yeah, things.
0: Yeah, it's the r slash language learning wiki. They have like a whole list of tools. Cool. And then is there anything else?
1: Like maybe Benny's blog or anything? Well, I mean, Benny's blog is cool. Um, there are several books that I like for language learning because learning how language functions helps me to pick out patterns faster. Okay. So Fluent in Three Months, Benny Lewis's book is a good book. Fluent Forever, Gabe Weiner, good book. And they both slightly differ in what they say. So like like getting the input from multiple sources is useful. Yeah. Um this one's only gonna be extra useful for the language nerds but i really liked the art of language invention by the guy who created the dothraki language oh okay cool like to make it an actual language because when you learn how the linguistic parts of the language work if you're into that it makes picking apart the patterns of grammar so much easier okay you're just like i know exactly why they're doing that and basically you're learning the language of of language yeah You know, when you learn how to describe grammar, when you learn how to describe these things. And while most people don't need it, if you do like it and you do learn it, it will help. Gotcha. Cool. Well, we will have
0: all those in the show notes and a note for Guillerme, our show notes guy. Let's put the more general resources at the top. So the Reddit and everything. And then we can link to like the, you know, Wani and Mind Snacks and stuff a little bit further down in case people happen to be learning Japanese or something. But I want to have those more Uh, general resources, easy to find in the show notes And if you are listening to this on the audio feed, this is episode 182, so cigpodcast.com slash 182 is that URL that you can go to to find those show notes. Or if you're here on YouTube watching us, the link in the description down below is the exact same link. That'll get you there. So check out the show notes. You'll find lots of resources for continuing onward from this conversation. If you guys enjoyed this, number one, um, let us know what your follow-up questions are. I know Martin. You're really into learning languages, so oh yeah,
1: I'm. I am always like, I talk about how I don't use social media or anything. I mostly mean I don't care to share with anyone that I just had the coolest piece of toast this morning. Yeah, I'm. It was so cool. It was time. good avocado
0: toast. Oh yeah.
1: Um, I just don't. I don't share things, but I do. I do check like Twitter. Yeah. If you ask me questions, I will probably answer you.
0: Oh, that is I have, true. I have yeah. no
1: problem with that. If you, if you send a bunch of questions, I, I don't want to seem like I'm really stingy and just hate talking to people online. I just yeah. don't share things. I don't care to post a status.
0: Yeah. So Martin's Twitter will be in the show notes. If you want to ask questions directly, or you can just put them in the comments of the show notes themselves or on YouTube Yeah. and we could potentially make follow-up episode
1: episodes. I can't talk yeah. today. Yeah. And if there were more specific subtopics of language, it would be mm-hmm. those, those could be useful episodes, but uh, yeah. it'd be useful to know what subtopics are most interesting because obviously a general episode like this we can't go too in depth in any one thing language right. is huge it's an overview and it's, I'd like to get questions
0: perfect. from people who are learning at the moment because as somebody who has abandoned my language learning I can come up with a good outline but there aren't the burning questions there for me
1: that somebody who is struggling with Japanese right now might be having. So, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure that I find a lot of this way more innate than it should be after a billion years of learning stuff. Mm-hmm. So please send questions. Yeah. They're probably oh. not obvious to us.
0: So uh, I didn't keep enough of everything that was said in my head together to make a full recap, but I did have four big lessons that I wanted to remind everyone of <laughs> that I took from this show. Cool. Uh, number one, it's a puzzle. You're piecing it together all over the place. So again, don't worry about finding the perfect resource, even though we're trying to lift, yeah, list off a, a bunch here. puzzle doesn't have a perfect starting place. It doesn't. Nope. I mean, you probably should start at the edges, but you don't, you have, don't have to. to. Just start putting things together. Uh, number two, when you're learning a language, you should have frequent periods where your brain has melted. If you find that you're just maintaining things and it's like, oh, 20 minutes a day, I did my Anki's, you're not going to progress.
1: So- yeah. You got to push hard and then you feel like you accomplished something. If you make a little two week or a month long challenge, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I read a book this month in another language. Yeah. You get, if you feel good about it, it'll keep you moving forward. If mm-hmm. you feel like you're stagnating, you're going to, well, you're going to feel bad and then you're going to stagnate more. So then you're going to feel bad and then you're going to stagnate more, etc. Yeah. It's going to be no good.
0: Number three, uh, the Latin scholars out there might disagree with me, but Uh-oh. language learning at some point needs to be a social experience where you get feedback from somebody who knows more than you so you can identify your mistakes and so you can connect with another human being. That's a decent idea. Interesting people out there. Yeah. And then number four, find a way to connect the language you're studying to something you care about, whether it's watching Pokemon or reading a book or planning a trip to the country that speaks the language that you are trying to learn. Something that gets your interest
1: up and your motivation high because it is going to be a slog. Yeah. at times. Yeah, there, there's going to be a point where it where the learning slows down and it feels lame. So you need to be motivated then. Yep. Cool. So those are the four lessons. Once again,
0: CIGpodcast.com slash 182 to find those show notes. You will also find a link to rate and review this show on iTunes, which is a great way to do so. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you're thinking to yourself, man, it would be great to be able to go for a 50 mile bike ride while listening to these guys. I don't know. Just something I like to do. Yeah. Uh, On iTunes, you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you have Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, you can do it there very easily or Google Play on your Android phone. And then you can take us on the road. Other than that, I think we are done. So thanks for hanging out with us and we will see you as always in the next episode. Stay cute.